Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the full set with Didi Delgado, your hostess with the most ex. And I'm really excited to be bringing one of my esteemed, esteemed, I can't even call it a colleague. Um, Y'all really need to give it up for someone I am admiring from afar and hopefully up close as I'm becoming a student of yours. We'll get into all of that. Just like, I just want to be over here in my little Funleo corner. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm like, Funleo, please, please help me. So um, I just want to introduce to y'all um, my guest today, it's not really important why you landed here. The important part is that you are here. And y'all know I don't wrap my head for nobody. So we're going to get into it. Um, I decided to trouble, um, decided to ca call this episode, Olodumare is going to trouble the water because I wanted to talk about the duality of mul multiple things and we're going to get into it. So Ia, Dr. Funlayo E. Wood Menzies, is your favorite Ifa Orisa scholar priestess, bringing love and light to the community through academic and spiritual programming. Blah. Currently a postdoctoral fellow in the Center for Black <laughs> Studies Research at the University of California, Santa Barbara, gotta be clear, she earned a PhD from Harvard University and an MA in history from the City College of New York, an initiate of Obatala and Ianifa. Did I say that right? Yes. Just making sure. Very she good. Is and thank you, thank you, thank you. She is delighted to contribute her voice as a scholar practitioner and is de dedicated. I was about to say delighted, so you might want to add that. Delight, delighted and dedicated to combining scholarship with social praxis. A native of New York City, Ia has conducted research in Nigeria, Ghana, Cuba, Trinidad, Peru, and the United States. Her research on Ifa Orisa and other African and diasporic traditions centers epistemology, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. gender and sexuality, healing and intersections between religion, science, and technology. She serves as the managing editor of the Africana Studies Review, okay? And her work has been published in academic and popular venues, including the journal. I feel like Meg the Stallion right now. Hold on. That's what she should have been doing, tucking it right back in. Um, serves as the managing editor of the Africana Studies Review, and her work has been published in academic and popular venues, including the Journal of Africana Religions, Cross Currents, and the Journal of Interreligious Studies and Medium. Committed to public scholarship, Ia Dr. Funleo, Funleo, sorry, consistently seeks to share her knowledge beyond the ivory tower. She lectures regularly and was featured in the PBS documentary Sacred Journeys Osun, Oshun. Os, Oshun Osogbo in 2014 and an episode of the National Geographic's The Story of God with Morgan Freeman 2017. She is the founding director of the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association, ADRSA, and of Ashe Ire, an Ifa Orisa Temple and University. You better. Y'all better drop <laughs> dumb coins that donate <laughs> via Cash App, PayPal, uh, Instagram. You got to donate somewhere. You got to follow her, first of all. <laughs> and then the okay. second thing is to drop them coins because we about to. We about to give you 150 for your appearance on the show. I know I still ain't had no money. I still ain't got no money. 
but we gonna we gonna pull from the universe in order to give so that way oh, we can wow. also receive so thank you that's beautiful thank you. thank you wow i didn't even know you was gonna read all that you got me feeling all like oh like that's me she's talking about me <laughs> <laughs> no we we had to let the people know that like it doesn't matter i really like how you say it's a community. I love the, the the melding of those two words of community and university because people got to get very familiar very quick. But before we get into all that, it is has been beating on my heart all day. Like, I don't have anxiety about much stuff, but I was like, you know what? Something I did not ask Daisy to do, but it, maybe it wasn't the right time, but I need to ask you to do is to bless this conversation if you are so comfortable and also like give a healing word to those who are tuning in because i feel like people are aching right now so yeah yeah people are people are well first of all just thank you thank you for the energy for having me for that warm welcome um i am honored to be here i'm always honored to hold space with my sisters with fellow black women um, to lift us up and empower us. And so one of the elements that embodies our power is the element of water. Of course, we know that water gets no enemy, as they say. And so I would like mm. to just pour a little bit of libation here and yes. pray that just as water has no enemy, that we will never have enemies, that we will be so indispensable to everyone in the world, just like water that no one can ever think to make an enemy of us. So we just give thanks and praise as we say, Omi tutu, ashe tutu, ana tutu, ile tutu, tutu laroye, tutu bobo, egon tutu bobo, risha tutu, and nyo tutu bobo wa, tutu ori mi, touch our heads, and we pray for our oris to be cool. We say that as water is cool, we pray for our ashe, which is our sacred energy to be cool. We pray for the road that we walk on to always be cool. We pray for our homes to be cool. We pray for the earth to be cool. We pray for the ancestors to be cool with us as they teach us lessons. We pray for Eshu Odara to be cool with us as he carries our prayers to both sides of the universe. And most of all, most of all, we pray for our own heads to be cool because we know that it is patience suru that is the father of character and so as we go into this conversation i pray that all that is said helps to heal helps to guide us towards good character helps to guide us towards the highest manifestations of our destiny may someone hear something that they need to hear this evening may we laugh may we cry may we come together and feel every emotion that we are meant to feel as human beings, as sisters, one with another. We just give thanks in every moment for this conversation. And we pray that it be immensely, immensely blessed and that it be a blessing to everyone who hears now or in the replay. Asheo, ashe, to. Asheo, asheo. Ashe. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for doing that. My cheese yeah. is burning like that. Thank you. And I, as soon as you started, I was like, mm, it's a word. 
listen, the people's gonna let you know they there. That's that's the beautiful part of it. They gonna make it's those little prickles down your arms and all of that. So yes, I said it, it is, is a nice. word. It don't make it makes sense. I can't even say it don't make sense because it definitely oh, it makes, makes all sense. the sense. It's it the makes all the sense. Makes sense. <laughs> you said it, and I felt it. So thank you. So I wanted to ask you to start off and ask you, how you doing? I'm good, man. I, you know, well, first of all, you know, I was a little torty and as an Oma Obatala. I wasn't going to say nothing. No, I'm going to tell all myself. I'm going to tell all myself because it was, it was me. It was me. I, you know, I've been on the road. I just got, came out of doing some spiritual ceremonies and, you know, a little COVID travel, which is, it was extra, a little, you know, stressful trying to travel, but give thanks. Everything was, was well and safe and good. Mm. Um, but I was tired. So I was up in here taking a nice, delicious <laughs> nap, which I never do, but it felt so good. So I'm revived and I'm feeling good. I am ready for you and for, for the fam. But it's it's good. Um, I give thanks right now, you, despite everything that's going on in the world. Um, I feel that it's a, it's a vibrant moment. It's a moment when we are being really pushed to step up in different ways. And so I'm actually really thankful to be experiencing this moment with the world and, Mm. you know, to be stepping up in the ways that I can, you know? I wanted to also touch base with you about self-care because when I ask you, how are you doing? You're like, I'm good. Like, how you get to good? (laughs) Because I'm trying to get to great. (laughs) <laughs> it's a process, boo-boo. It is a process. You know, that's the one thing I always say as far as being a spiritual person, you know, being a priestess, being someone who serves the community in that way, who prays for others, who holds space, who holds ritual and all of those things. Um, you know, I always want to make it clear that it's not a does it's not a place that I arrive at and I'm like, oh, I'm good every day. Mm. I stay good because of the things that I do every day, you know, right. constantly praying constantly in that state of gratitude that really for me honestly and and someone just said how do you hold space with gratitude though like how do you personally because maybe you could teach us something when I say us I really mean me I really don't care about people watching <laughs> how do you hold on to gratitude because that's my criticism all the time you know yeah, it's, it's a practice it's really a practice it's mm. literally as simple as making it a practice like um you know if there's any prayer that I say make sure that I say every day all the time it's grace right I grew up saying grace over my food grew up the child of of Baptist saying grace over my food and it's something that I still you know incorporate of course I say it my Arisha way now but those moments especially when I'm about to eat you know, I really take that intentional moment and pray that gratitude over my food. I really take a moment to take a breath and think about where the food came from, about the earth, mm-hmm. about the people who might have picked or who might have processed it, you know, all of that. I think about all of that um, and just, you know, make that an intentional practice. So at least two or three times a day, I'm saying a gratitude prayer. And so for me, that really helps to cultivate the energy, you know, with spirituality, that uh, regularity is the most important thing, you know, it's gratitude as a practice. We quote when you can somebody write that in the comments, please. Gratitude as a practice, baby. You always got to say thank you. You Come on. Oh my goodness. Always, always have. I feel like you about to read us today. Okay. All right. I see you in my mind. I gotta, I gotta read you. I'm gonna read you a little bit. Cause this is actually this. You gonna read me. Well, all of everybody. You oh, I was gonna as say a, these you as a don't vessel. say I need to be read. 
you as a vessel for everybody. Okay, all right. Um, but you know, in in Oshé Ogunda, um, the Oduifa Oshé Ogunda, it says that gratitude is literally what separates human beings from the other animals mm -hmm. and creations, and it's why you know it is something that we are especially charged to do is to be thankful in every moment for everything. And when you really have that as your posture, it's hard to be upset, even when negative things happen. And don't get me wrong, like I got my little, you know, <laughs> oh, goes my husband. I got a little, I could get some fire up under me. It's not all, you know, peaches and cream all the time. But it is, you know, understanding how to return back to that center. And ultimately, even if you do get upset for a moment, that upsetness is able to pass through you and you kind of return back to that gratitude state. So, you know, don't think that it, it, it means that you're never going to get upset or you're never going to, um, but it's important to, to really recognize that as the place where we are supposed to be always is in that state of, of thankfulness for just the air, the food, for all mm. of that. It's so funny that you say that, not like ha ha funny, but ironic, right? Um, because for like Egypt, my child will be turning four in November mm -hmm. and something I have been vehemently against, but I feel like you just shifted my perception is about saying grace. So when we were growing up, you know, I was, I don't know if the word is christened. I think it was christened because we were Catholic at first. My mom done been every single religion on the face of the earth. So we was Catholic at first. And I remember like having to say grace with my grandmother mm -hmm. and like, it was super serious. Like you had to repeat it. It was like, it was like learning timetables. Like, you know what I'm saying? We didn't know what we was thankful for, but we being forced to be thankful. Mm -hmm. And even now I think about telling Egypt, you say thank you. And I'm like, bitch, did you say thank you? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, so okay. for you to say, I mean, hello. Modeling <laughs> is the first part, you know? And, and it's, you know, many times we do get turned off to things when we're forced to do it or when we're made to do it in a way that doesn't feel authentic to us, you know? So that's really, I know many people as they move into African spirituality or other practices that may have grown up Christian um, kind of move away from all of those practices, right? The the grace, the, the prayer before bedtime, you know, all of those things. But I really recognize I'm, I'm although I ultimately took a different route than Christianity, um, I'm very thankful for all of those. What those things were was instilling ritual in me, right? And instilling timing that twice at least every meal and before bed, we're going to pray. When we wake up in the morning, right. we're going to pray. We're going to be thankful um, and so that's something that really has stayed with me. And again, you know, I've, mm -hmm. I've adapted it and made it my own, right? And, um, you know, but I, but I think it's really important and it's gr growing up that way as a part of what kept me, you know, in that space of gratitude. But I totally get it, uh, kind of being like, okay, do we have to say this again? Right, you know? right. <laughs> My favorite prayer, um, uh, shout out to Lanisha Bogan, who uh, traveled with me all through middle school. She used to be like, my favorite prayer is Jesus wept. I was so happy <laughs> to see him cry. And I'm like, and you know, we were Pentecostal by that time. And I was wow. like, oh, she can't say that, whatever. But now, how do you think people, how do you think that people who are transitioning into the knowing of themselves me again um can like sort of 
um, defragment themselves from Christianity without uh, without shitting on it. I, for lack of a better term, because yeah, for lack are, of a better term, yeah, you know, we got to use the vernacular when that's what fits. You know, um, it fits, <laughs> it fitted or whatever. So um, I think about people who are just like brand new into ATRs, and then all of a sudden, because it fits for them obviously for obvious reasons for many reasons but for the people who are I don't want to say stuck but also fits for the people who are still with the journey of Christianity right Mm -hmm. what how can we not that I need to be assimilated again but how can I have joyous conversations with people who believe in different faiths um, without being assimilated to it or feel like you're trying to tell me about your shit I'm trying to tell you about my stuff like you know yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, you know, I, I frequent interfaith spaces. Um, and so it's definitely, again, a practice. It's something that, you know, takes time um, to kind of build. But one of the things, like, for example, my mother, who is a reverend, and I have recently started a joint ministry. So um, talk about your podcast, too. Go ahead. Yeah, it's um, where I'm really excited about it. It's called <laughs> Rev and Ia. And we started it for just this reason that we know there's a lot of folks in the community who um, may be either transitioning into African spirituality or maybe remaining in Christianity, but wanting to know how to connect and go deeper and wanting to know that they're not doing something wrong by doing that. And so, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is how we got to keep it real, like even even as we talk with one another, we have to be real about what we're talking about. And so we can't talk about Christianity without talking about the domination of Black people. We just can't. We can't talk about it without talking about Eurocentrism and brainwashing and all of these things, because it's just there as far as thinking about how it has led us to view ourselves, how it has led us to view our saving grace as being a white man even though we know that the image of jesus as white is erroneous but that's the image we've been presented with right right and so all of these things that have gotten into our psyches right and that intentionally so right so a religion is is a a space that was used to demonize us as people of african descent was and is still used as a way to demonize us our um, our power base was basically swept out from under us. And that that's why, you know, and so it can be uncomfortable to have these conversations. And one of the reasons why my mother and I are able to have these conversations is because as a black woman, she understands that history and she's willing right. to grapple with it, even despite choosing to continue to practice and feeling moved by the practice of Christianity, um, she is willing to discuss those histories. She is willing to understand how we have been sort of uh, turned against ourselves You and mm-hmm. with Christianity being used as a vehicle. Not that that's what it's about, but that it was used as a vehicle for that to happen. And so, um, you know, as long as we're able to kind of be real, then we can say, okay, now, now that we know that, now that we've established that, let's put that aside for a minute and let's just look at the tenets of the traditions, right? And where we can find these common grounds. Talk about it. What What are some of the commonalities? Because I feel like people get stuck, when I say people, I mean hoteps, get stuck at <laughs> Hotep 101, right? And they don't really go past, like, for you, you know, because you're, yeah, like, that women have the most sacred place 
you know what I'm saying? And it's like the men, I'll say it's the men, some of the women, but it's because they're internalizing for the men feel like, oh, it's it's a man's way. I've seen women get kicked out of groups. I've seen women be demonized and ostracized because they're not respectable. But like the woman was upheld, gender queer folks were upheld. And it's like, you say that and it's like, people are like, no, there was no homosexuality in African culture. And I'm like, like, really? You really think that, that like, we really, really be giving white folks way too much credit. Like, oh, they invented homosexuality. They invented, they invented like, love. They invented white people in invented world. love. Right. Like, stop it. Stop. Stop it. Actually, you know, actually. So, like, actually stop. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is, it's hard, right? Because, you know, many times we want to go from one extreme to the other. Like right. we, once we realize that we mm. have been taught against ourselves, mm. once we realize that we've been bamboozled, we're like, oh no, I got to throw off everything that's in any way connected with that bamboozlement. I'm not there anymore. So I can't deal with anything that has anything to do with that. And then <laughs> we go all the way to the other side where it's like, oh yes, you know, no African ancestor ever did anything wrong. You know, right. it was just all exalted, um, exalted in the way that we like to picture it in our minds, still being influenced by the culture and the things mm. that we are faced, that we are mm. living under today and thinking that we're, you know, so it's important to um, just keep it real. Again, you know, learning the history, understanding that re-Africanizing ourselves. Re-Africanizing, y'all better talk about it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this uh, exclusionary process of just stripping things away, but of really um, coming to understand the fullness of African ideas of of the way that we understood the world be it sociologically psychologically and all of that is embedded in our spiritual systems um and so i think it's just important to to learn and to um know that nobody is perfect the ancestors were not perfect we were not all kings and queens we were you know some of us were farmers and carpenters and some just of us like were today, there was people working at the ancient McDonald's. There was people, <laughs> not the know, ancient McDonald's, <laughs> anciently street sweeping and cleaning. Right, right. We, right. we had all varieties of society, of course, because we're full human beings. Like, what kind of society? Everybody, a king and a queen. Like, we we, right. we gonna get done. Um, mm. But just understanding the the fullness of us. You better at Nas next time you say that. <laughs> You know, understanding our fullness, understanding our fullness, you know, and honoring ourselves in our fullness. And so understanding that a part of our fullness as Africans is sexuality. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. in African spirituality is about sex. Like when you perform divination, you're so you're you're embodying sex acts in different ways. And and so um, there is no aspect of us that finds sex objectionable or questionable. There's no aspect of us that doesn't understand that all ge- spectrums of in of being and of uh, sexual relation have existed on the earth for as long as we've been here. You know what's different? What's different is the sociology around them. Now that's another discussion, right? To right. say, for example, that if a person was same gender loving how what their role or how they interacted with the society might have been different than the way that 
we are seeing uh, folks interact with society now, right? right? In terms of creating separate space and holding that as a as a central pillar of identity, it didn't quite work that way with our sociology in the past. That doesn't mean it shouldn't work that way now. Right. But to, we just have to understand too that we can't just graft our ideas from now onto the past. So we find out, for example, that there were same gender loving people in ancient times and we're saying, oh yeah, so they were just like now where you know, they interacted with society the same way right. and felt the same way about even bodies and, and, and you know, shifting uh, identities or a pre- presentation of physicality. We don't know that that was the case. Right. We, we're not sure. So we know right. that obviously two-spirited people exist. Obviously, genderqueer folks existed. Is it Obatala who presents as male and female or has no gender? And Olodumare certainly has no gender, right? right. And as so as we know form. that these as concepts, right? right? And even in Christianity, if I could be so bold, to say that we are all made in his likeness and image. So right. I find it very <laughs> funny. Again, the word comes up that people would be like, if someone is fat, or if someone is um, unattractive to societal standards, or if someone is queer or trans, or you know the myriad of things poor that we say, no, that person isn't made in God's image. Only right. I am because right. I'm so close to blank. But we don't know right. what God's image is if we all are created. Um, and I, it's very interesting the the conflict the conflict that exists in Christianity at times because I hear often God doesn't make mistakes. And my best but friend then, Crystal says, he right. makes choices though. Mm. So <laughs> Crystal always be like, but God makes choices, you know? <laughs> right. I like that. She's very smart. Um, and so what do you feel? Um, I struggle with this question because the inner pick me, which is the basis for all misandry, the inner pick me that I have, right? Um, and misandry is is my personal attempt. I can't speak for other misandrists, but it's my personal attempt to to deconstruct de- what I've been taught about um, who I am supposed to be or who I'm supposed to be attached to. Mm. Um, wh- why do you think that in spirituality, and especially in African traditional spirituality, as it appears in the United States of America, why do you think that women um, are lower on the totem pole? I think even in some church, most churches, I won't say some churches, only very few churches I'm aware of are women elevated to the title of pastor. Some can't get past pastor's wife or the person that do, does this with the white glove on, the usher, like, you know what I'm saying? Or the church mother. It's like, it's always a, a caretaker position. Well, you know, first of all, I mean, every institution in society is reflective of the society, right? So when we talk about people creating, you know, we create God in our image, just as much as we're created in God's mm. image. And so, um, the image that's been created and put forth here in the U.S. is the image of whiteness, basically being what is next to godliness. I and felt you was coming with the hot bangers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, heterosexual white maleness, you know, right. to start with, and then femaleness, and then, you know, everybody that 
kind of deviates, you know, but heterosexual white maleness, I mean, come on, look at the Trinity. They took the woman out of, you know, the, the original Trinity, mother, father, and child, productive trinity they took that all out like no they was like this nigga is one thing right? three times father son like, holy yeah. ghost we go you know like don't quote me <laughs> how you get three three males producing okay well three masculine energies being productive like that just doesn't you know even but, the holy ghost is pre is presented as a masculine entity right 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 and so that again you know that's reflective of the society right that's reflective of the desire who we're seeking to control so you know, even as we talk about, again, you know, the kind of the history of Christianity's interaction with the world, it's not only people of African descent uh, that it has damaged in terms of creating this myopic worldview that says things can only look this one way. It's its own indigenous traditions were destroyed, its own women uh, destroyed in their traditions right. and things like that. And so, there's always been a bit of ambivalence about women's power in the world, right? Mm. We are seen as anything that is powerful can hurt you as much as it can heal you or be good for you. And so there's always been a little bit, we talk about, you know, people always talk about this idea of penis envy, but we don't talk about the real envy, which is womb envy Ooh. that, you know, men have been subject to across cultures throughout the world. When you look at many of our spiritual practices, a lot of what they're aimed at is giving men a sort of power that women already naturally have. Right? To birth so something. To, to, right, the power to birth something, the power to connect with the divine and have intuition um, and to have us the type of knowing that um, is associated with the female form and vibration. And so, you know, you see throughout, throughout the world and throughout history, um, these uh, examples of female power being usurped, right? And Christianity is really the, the most primary example that we have because it's the tradition that we know the most about. So we can see it happen very plainly um, in that tradition. And so society mirrors that, right? The society, A, set that up, to begin with so think about who actually wrote the stories that are in the bible the time that they were written right you know all of that kind of thing so it mirrored that society and now you know our the our society by living by these ancient mirrorings is mirroring back the same thing right, right. and so you get this sort of feedback loop that it's in order to break out of it you really have to and that's really how i landed where i landed because you know the ancestors tapped your girl early and i was like yeah as i'm <laughs> learning all this stuff i was like oh word like wait what like i i came from somebody's rib and i caused the downfall of you mm -hmm. like what like nah yeah there's like mysticism so much i wanted to ask you well first i, I wanted you to I have a question, um, but the other question I want to go back to is because I just want to make sure that people understand that when you're talking about womanhood giving birth, you're not just talking about folks I, I assign female at birth, right? You're including trans women in the conversation because you're clearly a gender and women's like, you got this on lock. And so right. how does that well, fit? I, into I do want to be clear though that there is so there are there are definitely 
there is definitely a respect and understanding of the full spectrum, but there's also an understanding of binarism as well, right? The night and the, the day and the night are binary mm -hmm. situations. There are gradations, but ultimately, you know, and so when we're looking at, you know, and again, this is one of the things that fascinates me, science and, you know, spirituality and all of that. Right. It's clear that it takes a, you know, a, 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 a certain gamete, certain gametes, you know, right. to use the scientific terms have to come together to create life. And so when we're talking about, you know, again, although we, we, there is, there is respect of the spectrum, I want to be clear just because I don't want to fall into the same trap I just mentioned of kind right. of crafting things back onto the past. When we're talking about women and femaleness and men and maleness, we're talking about people who were born in those bodies. And you're talking Whether, about the, that binary. Right. About you're, that you're addressing that binary. Okay. Right. It's being addressed. Now that doesn't mean again, that doesn't mean that there's not room for the spectrum. And I think, you know, this is one reason, one reason why we feel that we have to um, come to a certain type of assignment of ourselves is because of what has been valued and what has been devalued mm. in society. Okay. So okay. as people who have felt um, two-spirited have been devalued in society, they have said, okay, some, of, some have said, well, now we have to make this choice as to whether we're going to be you know, on this side of the spectrum or on that side and make our bodies match it and make all of these things happen, mostly because of the way society. Right. Works. And that's why people are seeking their freedom from gender because it's, right. it's, it's a trap. <laughs> Sometimes the, whole well, the thing way is that it's trap. been played out in yes, our society. I, absolutely, absolutely. I will accept that wholeheartedly. That yeah, yes, I don't so, think it was designed to be that way. I think that right. that man period, however you see it, has designed <laughs> right. it as such. I wanted you yeah. to shift gears because you talked about our power, right? And I wanted you to tell us about your power. What is an Iya? And how did you get here on this journey? Like how, how, are, how are you magic and fire and water and light all in the same trajectory? <laughs> um, it's been a long and, and winding road for sure. Um, you know, as I said, I, I really feel like the, the ancestors tapped me from early um, and that I've always felt connected to spirit right, and to divine energy and to fluid and to fluidity, right, to this accepting of all people and, and all ways of being and just wanting to experience all of that from a very young age. Um, and so I was raised uh, Baptist, you know, and my mom was at the time the church nurse and very much involved in a lot of church ministry. So I was there a lot. <laughs> I was at the church whenever it was open right. for the most part, um, doing all of that. And, but I always, but I was very clear and she always talks about how clear I was from so young that I didn't believe in this, the way it was being presented to me. It was like, I liked the I realized that I liked spirit, right? And this is a part that we're really not able to tease out sometimes because mm. a lot of times when people reject Christianity or reject whatever tradition they may have been raised with, they go to this like, well, there's no God or, or into an atheism or agnostic kind of position. That was never my position. I always felt the presence of spirit, right? right. And I always enjoyed that. Um, but I knew that Christianity wasn't it for me. And so even as a youngster, I started studying and reading books about different cultures and how they would interact with spirit and um, 
you know, read about all of the isms and all of, you know, Native American spirituality and just all kinds of things. And so eventually um, the question came about what we do. I was like, wait a minute, you know, I'm a person of African descent. Why ain't finding nothing about what we do? You know, right. why, why, where's that information? And so that led me into Black um, spirituality matters. Yes, absolutely. And so that led me into my studies um, to start, you know, just looking into uh, information about African spirituality. And I found that the information was not, there was not a lot of information out there. And um, a lot of it also was presented by people who, you know, weren't practitioners. And so the way that it was being presented was, was just different energetically. And so um, I actually after I did my spiritual, well, I guess I'll go back to say how I actually really started the journey. I've always, you know, collected rocks and just, I've, you know, I've done those kinds of things since I was young. And so kind of finding this way of doing it started probably in 2005 when I first went to the continent and I went under the guidance um, of a uh, woman who was a professor and a priestess of Yemoja we went to Ghana and I actually had a really profound experience at one of the Akan temples in Ghana. And um, that was when I said, okay, this is it. I said, yeah, I've been looking for this. I've been studying all these traditions, wondering what we did as a people and now I found it. And so um, once I, after that trip, it, it was like pretty much everywhere I turned, Orisha was there, some type of African spirituality. It was like my eyes had been tuned to see it. Right. You know? And um, so I ultimately got involved in the community in New York. And um, in 2008, I was guided to Nigeria to um, undergo my initiations. And it was really um, doing that that led me to want to go to fin do a PhD and all of those kinds of things, um, because I really wanted to study the tradition and to be able to present information that I wasn't able to find when I was looking for it. Right. You know, and to and to what did they do with you at Harvard? <laughs> they didn't know what to do with me, girl. I believe it. I believe it. It was uh it was they it was very rarely let blacks that are radical come to come to them. So yeah. Right, right. I don't know if they knew what they was getting when they was getting it, but um it was funny speak about how spirit works because I uh, had just uh, undergone my initiations mm -hmm. and um, about a year and some change prior and um, had done a year wearing white as a, as a personal sacrifice. Although Ooh. in the tradition in which I was initiated, it wasn't it. mandated, but I chose to do it. And okay. <laughs> I ended up doing another year because my, when I was, when that first year was finished. It didn't take? My well, it took so well that Obatala was like, you know what? We really love that white. Like you're really somebody who could have got that 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 wear white forever uh, reading, but we tried to give you some choices. But yeah, you need to do it again. But the thing about it was that second year in white was my first year at Harvard, right? Mm. And it was like they didn't want me to be able to hide who I was going in the door. It was right. like, no, these folks are gonna know who you are from day one know what you're about, know that this isn't just studies for you because right. there really hadn't been, there have been people who were scholar practitioners who had come through before me, but no one who was really as open, who came right. in the whites and the like, day one, like what, you know? And so um, 
you know, there was a way in which really what I found, and this is one thing that I encourage being unapologetically me, you know, got me more of everything than any other way of being would have gotten me, you know? So it was like, look, I'm here. Yes. I, I understand that I'm becoming a part of this system and that I, you know, I understand even the reason why your degrees are valuable is because of all of these things that have been set up. And I'm coming here to get it as a key for me to be able to do what I want to do later, but I'm going to get it on my terms. And so everything, you know, for me was really on my terms from day one. It was, you know, I, I studied what I wanted to. I, I was blessed to have a great mentor there, Professor Jacob Olupona, who mm -hmm. um, really advocates for students, advocates for women, you know, advocates for African spirituality. And so it okay. was... It was a beautiful moment. There was like a nice group of us there who were all, you know, not only scholars, but also had spiritual commitments to the traditions. And so it was really, um, it was a hostile takeover <laughs> for a minute. And that we've all graduated now and it's and it's not that anymore. <laughs> right, so, right. They were and, like, why are they out here running this shit? Like, <laughs> right. Like we gotta take these reins back real quick. But um, but no, it was it was it was really a beautiful experience. And again, it was um even in recognition recognizing all of the problematics with you mm -hmm. know Harvard and higher education and et cetera, et cetera, it was still coming in with that gratitude of, you know, yeah, I'm coming in here getting some reparations. So yeah, bust how they gonna pay me to study us and, you know, pay me to do these things for us, right? To study us, to be able to bring resources and create conferences and create things for us. You know, that, that was what being there and gave me some of the opportunity and money and everything else to do. And so, you know, it's always, it's always a balance, right? And as you try to kind of balance out um, working within the system and breaking it down and right. kicking it all down. So that's, you know, really where the university was born was after coming out of there and being like, yeah, okay, that was cute. But, you know, that was, that's my key to freedom, right? It's not necessarily people, and this is, this is a word for everybody listening, because there are definitely, you know, people give have their expectations of who they expect you to be, who they want you to be. I was going to ask you, do people ever assume that you have the PhD? Because you don't code switch often. So, I mean, do people ever make an assumption like, you know what I'm saying? Because you said you show up as your authentic self, like who you are is what you're going right. to get. That's what that's who you're gonna get. That's who you're gonna get. Well, I think it actually encourages people to be like, oh, so you can I was have about to say I feel inspired. Right. You don't have to be all <laughs> stiff. Like I had somebody actually meet me and be like, wow, I didn't even realize I could talk to people from Harvard because I thought y'all would all be. And I'm like, no, that's just a you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. It is, you know, it's an institution. It's an institution. I see people wear ascots coming out of Harvard. So right. I, I mean, don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't let me act like there's, you know, Jim Bay's beating on the lawn and none of that. Like, I definitely had to, you know, throw them right. bows and, you know, create right. space. But the beauty part of being in a place like that and creating space is that their name, you know, opens doors. And so anytime I went anywhere and it's like, yeah, I'm from Harvard, they're, oh, okay, yeah. Right. And that enabled me to be able to do what I do for us and to right. get set up for us. And so that was the evolution for me to say, so that point about expectation, when you have, you know, a PhD from Harvard, what's expected of you is to become 
a professor to go on a tenure track professorial route pretty much at a either an Ivy or some other PWI, you know, predominantly white institution. Um, and that's kind of what's expected of you. Like, oh, that's the pinnacle. Like you got that so that you can get that. I really and just admire you, you how you're so down to earth. When you created the community, did you, I mean, I feel like you had, you did expect it because you are blessed and highly favored, but were you like shocked about how many people are yearning to get this kind of education? You know, I'm not, I wasn't shocked. I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude to be mm-hmm. able to- Come on, c- come on, gratitude as Gratitude, come on, gratitude. For real, <laughs> like just being able, like being in the position to present this to my community and like be like yes here it is like you asked people always would say to me I wish I could take your classes that's really a part of where this came from when I would be teaching classes at Harvard or at Boston College or you know Pacifica or wherever I've been teaching people would say oh I really wish I could take your classes and I would you know and I and it would always make me feel away like dang why can't they you know why can't I present this, like, how can I present this to my community? And so um, that's really the evolution for me is really being able to bring this out to the community, um, being able to be in a space where my whole, my life is sustained by the work that I do for my people. Like that, that's the dream for me. Like, this is, this is the dream. You are the dream for me. Like this is, it's amazing. To be able to just, you know, have this be my job to talk to black women to uh, and men as well, you know, black, all of our folks and, and right. to everyone on every spectrum on, uh, you know, of personhood and blackness to be able to bring us together and allow us, you know, help us to see our various places um, in this, the structures that we have um, and that are possible for our society, you know, to see what's possible outside of the system. Because a lot of our issue sometimes is that we can't see anything outside of what mm-hmm. has been presented to us, which has been so narrow and been so, um, you know, myopic, so, you know, so unidirectional. You have to, you know, right. go and get this type of education, get a quote unquote job, become a cog in the machine work nine to five every day for the rest of it until you like, no, that was not, I was like, word, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Cause that's You're an not- inspiration. Cause it's like, I, I hadn't considered, you know, someone had asked me, um, what are you a teacher or something? And I was like, no. And the woman standing next to me was like, yes, you are. You have a class on Wednesday. Tell hey. us about your class. Cause I just, I just signed up for your class and I was surprised. Hey. Like, I had a, Daisy was like, what I was gossiping, I was like, Daisy, I'm in this white woman's house. I was like, and this book popped up at me and I took a screenshot of it. And it was like, how to learn Yoruba in 24 hours. I don't know. I'm exaggerating, but that's what the book was called. And, <laughs> and so Daisy was like, child, if you want to learn Yoruba, please, please, please reach out to my good sis. And I was like, all right. So I went to your website. It was actually very easy. And I am looking forward to your August class. Are, are there I still should. openings for people who are watching? There are absolutely openings. Y'all gotta join me. So come on, come learn this. Come learn this at day your wow. We start from the alphabet. It's it's really fun, not intimidating. 
Um, and it's especially one thing that I'm proud of is that it's for us and us being people who are in the African spiritual community who are Ifa Arisha practitioners, you do not need to be initiated or anything like that. But I say that it's for practitioners because I'd spend some time focusing on things that you probably wouldn't get in a standard Yoruba class. So we go over like the, the basic Mojuba prayer. We right. go over greetings to priests and to shrines and things like that. Um, so yes, the university kicks back off on August the 3rd. Third, I'm ready for it. Super I've, I've, I've shifted around some things. Yeah, <laughs> like. girl, look, I'm so, I was so excited for you signing up. First of all, too, let me go ahead and just give a, just send some special love out to my girl, Daisy, the Afro mystic, powerful, wonderful, fantabulous sister who just, you know, we just, we just love each other and we, you know, we always big each other up. And so when I saw her on your show, um, that was really, you know, I, I had to go and like binge watch and listen to episodes after that. Cause I was hooked. I was like, oh, sister with her like vibrant energy. I always love people who keep it real. Like I do, you know, that's one thing I, I too love about African spirituality is like, we ain't saints, you know, it's not, it's not about being perfect. The Orishas weren't perfect. There's stories right. of them doing some things. Let me tell you something. I heard somebody bit somebody ear. And right. like, you know, I was folks like, was cutting off ears. Folks was out here, you know, slaying folks accidentally slinging lightning bolts and, you know, like all kinds of stuff. Eshu was out here spilling palm oil on Obatala. Like right. it was pandemonium in the ancient times. There was stuff going on, right? right and so right, that's right. why we can relate to them, right? That's mm. why we can take lessons from them. And that's why I I pray that, you know, folks are able to take lessons and relate to me and be like, look, I'm a, I'm a real person. Uh, Harlem girl, Harlem girl all day. Harlem, oh, oh, Harlem? All day in the building, Harlem girl in the building. <laughs> Isn't Mace um, from Harlem? Uh, yes. <laughs> Listen, don't. Don't don't start. Don't start. I actually just really I got, got my Harlem stuff back though because I was watching um the remix that this uh the documentary on hip hop women in hip hop fashion really right. great documentary okay um and Dapper Dan who was one of the original hip hop fashion icons who's from Harlem was on there um something you know actually as I mentioned that it's it's you know. So I just got to get this off my chest because as I was watching the documentary, (laughs) I got, I got, I was salty because it starts off talking, you know, seeking to kind of create this historical narrative, right, about Black people in fashion, but it starts in slavery times and it starts talking about how we Fashion. Right. Right. (laughs) I wanted, yo. I wanted to fight the, the air. The nigga when, who did Hidden Colors was on this production. I, I wanted you. to fight the air. Like literally when it started, I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting maybe to see, you know, going back to the Ghana kingdom with the They were like this year in Chateau slavery. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, wait a minute. Like literally it comes on and you know, the music. <laughs> You know, with the, the cotton picking. I named it Oludumare is going to trouble the water. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was like, okay, 
and and don't get me wrong i there's no there is no you know enslavement happened there is no shame in that there is no you know that's a part of our history but it always just irks me that you know we and and I, why scholars like myself and my colleagues are needed that we start at slavery that we start the there i'm like you talking about black fashion and Nas you don't wasn't take it involved back in the, the production God, the kingdom when we was dripping in gold and kente cloth you don't show the ancient you know nigerians with their galas and they ashoke you're not showing the south african warriors with their feathers like decked out fashionable before we got here you start with like literally you got it yeah so that was the only part of it that had me like somebody need to tag Nas as because he need to be involved in these productions <laughs> I'm like come on people I'm like can you hire your favorite we was kings and queens to give you some background please because right <laughs> but but no all of that to say that you know yeah it it it, it was but um, you're saying it was a good documentary it was a good documentary forward, that was the only seven part. minutes yeah. and 47 right. skip forward past the you already know when that music started the beginning you like oh god you was like go. you was like what is LaShawn Pace doing in this documentary <laughs> like really y'all this what we doing not like this not okay. like this but no it was good and it and it and it just renewed my my harlem my harlem pride and it also you know one of the things that came through was the the hard road that a lot of times we have to face and go mm -hmm. over and you know how much time it takes to build to where we get successful and a lot of times you know all we see is the end we don't see the things that people went through to get there right when people see me they see whatever they see that's being presented but they don't see the blood sweat tears they don't see the nights you know and so that's what it made me think of um when i was watching it. it's like wow we see you know celebrities or folks out here dressed and looking how they look right we never think about who's behind it and how long it took that person and all of that so it just really made me appreciate all of that behind the scenes it's like ritual you know when you see a ritual when a ritual happens an initiation or some big ritual the ea or the baba gets the you know accolades but all the other folks that have been running around doing the work right are the ones and so again that it comes back to that gratitude piece of always you know being thankful you just want to keep circling back to this practice gratitude <laughs> I want to lead by example. I want to lead by example. So we, I would be most grateful if you could share with us because you were talking about um, conflict earlier, right? Mm -hmm. So to a person who uses petty as a productive praxis, <laughs> how should one navigate conflict knowing that, um, as Josie Smith would say, that there's a frame of reference from which our ancestors come, then there's like the lessons in this day and age that I have learned through trial and error myself, right? And then there's the fact that people will try to test your patience um, or mm -hmm. try to test your gangster or just try to mm -hmm. test you. And so how do we find balance in conflict? Because I feel like whenever someone goes through conflict, we do this thing where we're like, couldn't be me, sis. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, it was you last month right it, it could be you and it and it, it is you, you. right <laughs> we love to think we we gangster don't we i, I be all the time i'll be out here like yeah like mm, like and then i'm like yeah no not not really though <laughs> <laughs> i was i was kidding you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but um no conflict is going to happen and and let's be clear like 
Africans was the original petties, okay? Like they, you could cut them eye, those looks, you could just look somebody up and down like, really, see yourself, see yourself. <laughs> that's the original, that's the original. <laughs> see, I feel like the most original petty African phrase this year, maybe even last year too, is I beg, like, please, I beg, bitch. I beg, please, oh, I beg. Hey. I'm like, okay. That's the original. That's that. That's that African petty, right? Just and it's traveled, place. right? You know, the philosopher John Henry Clark says it's not where the slave ship dropped us off at Haiti, Jamaica, Dominican Republic, Cuba, right? It's where they picked us up at. All right. everybody that I know who is African in blood, in 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 heredity and nacimiento, be mm-hmm. doing like to motion or something like over right there, and right? pointing, right? right? You be. That's that's that that's that African petty right there. We'd be like, look, see, 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 right? You can <laughs> eyebrows, lips, right? You you know you got ways to talk to each other, right. um, you know. And I think really a lot of what we now call being petty is is really keeping each other in check in various ways. And I, I think that hold up, it- <laughs> I can't say it like right. No, like, I just say that so you do right by me, right? Check yourself. Like that's mm-hmm. that's really what that is. And so you know, I think that it, there needs to be more of it. There needs to be more of. I just needed someone to enable my behavior. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't hold up. Now, don't, don't y'all be like, yeah, yeah, we, we got full petty, full <laughs> license to be petty. Like I bestowed the blessing. No, um, but no, I'm really. We need more of just checking each other and not being passive aggressive about it. Like that's the part that that takes it into that realm of pettiness okay. is when we are being passive aggressive instead of confrontational. And one thing that I always talk about is how you know African epistemologies and and sociologies and ways of what being. What does epistemology mean? Because I means- struggled with that word when I read it in your bio. Well, you but- didn't struggle. You did good, girl. You did good. Okay, thank you for the clap affirmation of what I say. My classes, okay. clap for yourself. It's ways of knowing. Epistemology mm. is, you know, knowledge, ways of knowing, ways of teaching. Um, mm. And so our ways of knowing say that we need to bring things out into the open and that we need to, you know, address them so that we can move forward. And so the part of the part of pettiness that I don't like is that sort of undergirding, like, I'm going to talk to this one about you, but I'm not going to tell you. What say it to my face to change right say it to my face keep it 100 and so that was the first face to face that's the african way like you didn't say nothing unless you said it to a person's face i and have so had even, conflict with people who have come to me to talk to me i've thought about the conflict but they came to me about something else totally different and i'm like looking at them like so you're not gonna say it huh you're, you're not gonna, gonna talk gonna, about the conflict you're gonna keep it to yourself huh Right. And it's hard. It's hard because, you know, in American society, Western society, we're really taught. It's like this weird thing. We're taught that we should have the freedom to say whatever we want. Right. Right. But that by and large, we hold things in. We, you know, again, we discuss people with other people as opposed to saying to that person, uh, this is what it is, you know, and bringing that truth out. And so that's one thing. It actually made me clutch my pearls when I was in Nigeria. At times, you know, I spent a combined total of 18 months there and my mm. longest stretch was a year. And, um, you know, that's you really being there for a year. You know, I really got to like be a part of my community and just, you know, just see things on a day to day basis and and all of that. 
and I would be clutching my pearls because people would be like, you know, the way you behave yesterday, I didn't like it. I didn't like right. it at all. You know, they will tell you straight up and you're like, oh, word, like, damn, sorry. You know, and, then and it's kind of like you have to process it. it right then and there. Right. right? You got to talk about it. You got to say like, there's no hiding. There's no BSing of, oh, oh, no. Like, and they'll say it in front of everybody. And now you got to own up to it. But right. is it like the internet where if they say it in front of everybody, you got people that take this person's side and people that take that person's side. What about uh, circle processes do we need to get back to? Yeah, well, that's exactly what this is. And that's also why the pra- why eldership in the community mm. is important, right? And this is why, uh, and I'll give you another one of these Harvard words, why African societies were typically gerontocracies, right? They gerontocracy were- and epistemology. Okay. Yes, those are our words for today, right? So the gerontocracy means that it goes by age in society, that authority comes with age. And so Can I say probably, gerontocritus? Could you say that? Yeah, no, ahead, no. girl, just say it. Oh, yeah, say it. Work it's that. gerontocritus. We go, we go right. in this gerontocritus society. Um, yeah, work. I do that all the time. So work it out, work it out. Um, but the point is that everybody gets a chance to go through those age cycles, right? So it's actually... Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, this, this is not, it's not a perfect system, but it's a system that at least in theory, everybody would get to go through those cycles. You, you're going to be a child, you're going to be an adult, you're going to be an elder, and there's always going to be someone, you know, under you in that hierarchy. And so that's where, uh, the process is able to happen in a safe way, because typically an elder would be called into a process like that. And their word would be the final word. So whoever the elder person is, who is in that process, who is there when those that conversation is happening, they're listening to both sides, like a mediation type of right. uh, situation, listening to both sides, and then you know helping to render a decision. And you know even and you know one thing that I always appreciate is like even when it's their child, even when it's you know when it's your somebody that's close to you being able to be, you know, very honest about that, you know, like, yeah, you're my kid, but what you did was wrong. Right. right? And being able to model that that's powerful because in our society, we're taught that, you know, if you do anything wrong, you're just to be discarded cancel culture, right? You do something wrong. We discard you. We don't deal with you no more. That's it. You done. Ah, right. And, and even in relationships and things like that, it's like, oh, if we have a problem, we just break up. Like, and not to say that I don't want to talk about relationships no more, right? You know, but but you know, that's just the mentality that we have. Right. This is not, you know, clearly, don't get me wrong, if there's some abuse or something egregiously wrong going on, but many times there isn't. It's just that I talk about this all the time. I'm like, it's the abuse of annoyance, like, you know, right? Somebody, like, just we being annoyed, abusers, fine, but a lot of times, niggas be like. Oh, I don't like that time. Do you know that bitch was talking shit about me? Da, da, da. I'm like, it was talking shit. It's not harm because it's abuse. Like, I, it's not abuse because you were harmed by it. I got stepped on my toe on the train. I didn't call the bitch who did an abuser. Like, I mean, she did something wrong. It was harmful. It hurt. And I moved past it. Now, whether she says sorry or not, I do categorize <laughs> that her might differently. be right. <laughs> I do categorize her differently. Whether she changed her behavior and stepped on somebody else's foot, if she's a habitual foot stepper, a habitual foot stepper, then we got right. One we don't know. We don't know. Three times is a pattern. Hey, so <laughs> we got ways to Look deal with that. Habits. 
Right. You get you keep, yeah, you keep stepping on feet, and then we might have to go get the uh, but if you was ready to take you, exactly. <laughs> if you was to take the root cause, if I was to take like woke book, which I, you know, someone said that I was a part of it, and I'm like, I'm really on the fringe. I don't really talk to anybody because I learned my lesson. 2017, I might have been involved, but 2018, 2019, 2020, I was like, y'all bitches is wild. I'll be over here. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But if you was to funnel all of it from from the from the lowest to the high or like you said the 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 gerontocritus uh, <laughs> um everyone should be able to have a turn but everyone's concerned about being being the great black hype like you know what i'm saying and so i really i'm really looking forward to days that we can talk about um conversing with one another in it at a healing space yeah and, and instead of like luana morales always talks about where we meet each other at the wound right like i had a trauma from two years ago and it reminded me of the trauma that i couldn't control from 10 years ago so i lashed mm. out with the person or mm. vice versa right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how can we find healing in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of a global uprising, in the midst of already compounded trauma and pettiness and things that we should be using to protect ourselves, but we then damaging each other in the process. Like, what would be your advice yeah. to someone who's just like, nah, I just want to be on a straight and narrow or the crooked and wavy? You know, you already know what I'm finna say, right? Well, no, I don't. Gratitude. <laughs> Listen, I... Bringing Thank it you. back. This has been another episode of the full set. <laughs> Gratitude Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Because uh, ultimately, you know, again, even in the midst of everything that's going on, if you are here right now listening to us, that means you got somebody's internets, whoever paid for it, mm. whether it was mama, daddy, sugar, daddy, you, whoever paid for it, you got some. That means you can hear, that means you can see, that means you got a whole lot of things going on. And so, you know, I always literally return to that, that in the face of whatever is happening, in the face of whatever I'm facing, I always seek that thing that I can be grateful for and say, you know, what can I be grateful for in this moment and how can I help, right? Mm. Helping others as you know, again, it might sound cheesy and, and cliche, but you know, helping others really puts into perspective everything that you have or don't have going on in your life, right? When you're able to, you know, um, go in and help. And, and right now it's, it's a little bit tough to do some of the volunteering, right. but I would do like, you know, feeding of the homeless or community gardening or things like that, where you really are putting your labor into a direct thing that's directly affecting people. A lot of the issue that we have today, honestly, and why we have so much despondency, depression, and these kinds of things is that we are barely human anymore, right? That's the issue. We're so disconnected from what actually makes us human like there are children out here that don't know a hamburger came from a cow that actually don't know that right or that a french fry is from a potato or that right. you know like these kinds of things there are adults out here that don't know where you know have never seen 
their food growing or know mm. what a plant looks like. Like you could walk, we could be out here starving and not know that we're walking by all the stuff we normally eat because we just right. don't know what it looks like if it's not in a box or something, right? Right. So really reconnecting to our humanity, reconnecting to earth, breathing, growing something, seeing it grow from our hands, being able to eat something that you grew directly being able to, you know, take a bath, a spiritual bath with an herb or a plant that you grew, right? Feeling that connection, right. that's a part of what brings us back into um, feeling good and feeling connected and, and being able to um, get past those hurts and those traumas and those things that no matter what, we still hear. Right. We're still here. We're breathing. As long as there's life, there's another chance to do something better. And so even through the hurt, you know, finding those ways to be of service, finding those ways to be grateful, that's literally, you know, where the happiness is, where happiness is, when we can be the more human we can be. And so ironically, we've seen families, one thing that I've that I've loved about watching about this time is that people are understanding the importance of connecting to one another. So you're seeing families who haven't been connected, you know, doing Zoom calls. And I, a friend of mine just did a whole family reunion on Zoom and birthday parties and baby showers and all these right. things that folks might not have really come to. We might've had every reason why we couldn't come, right? right. So this moment of being forced to kind of be still has really reconnected us with one another in many cases in a real way. And I, I just pray that it continues and that we continue to create these spaces, that we continue to um, cultivate this energy. You know, it's, it's important. <clears throat> and as I say too, you know, daily practice is, is important. So prayer, meditation, um, I have a meditation album that interesting oh you got an album you was dropping the bankers okay all right you know i need know. got these hot tracks out in the street i see you out here sam okay <laughs> but it's uh orisha focal meditation volume one uh, with the mm. up and um it came out of you know i started doing this meditation technique with some of my girls while i was at harvard and they had been asking me since then, you know, to record them or, you know, put them together. So I got together with my homegirl, Adrian TT Talks, Bait, shout out to her, my fabulous producer, Black woman producer, y'all, like, mm. come on, out here making beats and, and whatnot. And so she put the soundscape behind my vocals and um, it, it's just magic. So I invite the family, you know, to check that out and just you know, cultivate energy. You have to cultivate your energy. You know, this is something that I talk about all the time. Um, we have to, we can't just lean into whatever is not feeling good. You know, people right. we got this kind of idea that, you know, they, when they say misery loves company, they, they mean that, right? There's this like, just leaning into not feeling good. And that has become almost a trend of like, yeah, you know, I'm Aggie. I'm, you know, like this whole being Aggie has become a trend. And so it's like, no, let's make being peaceful and happy a trend. Let's let, let's let that be the next hot shit in the streets. Like, <laughs> It's a, hot, it's a hot, happy summer. That's Look, what Come is. on, hot, happy summer. <laughs> Are you twerking? Are you twerking? Mama say, Mama say, Mama I have a question to ask. It's my second to last question. What do you think 
is the westernized demonization about um, African traditional religion. What is what is that about? Because it's like, you know, I, I talked to somebody, I was like, let me read you real quick, whatever, and I pull, and they're like, oh, but I can't believe it, even though it was spot on what I said, not just because I said it, but because spirit guided, but it was spot on, it was like, nah, I can't, I can't listen to that, because that's devilish, or whatever, I was listening, not listening, I watched Roots to Heaven, which is, which was produced by Jaimon Hamsu um, from Amistad, and he was talking about how voodoo is um you know like <clears throat> derived out of a, a, an ifa practice and that that the west demonizes it so much but actually is western culture in the united states of america the biggest purveyor of sacrifice in the world because of the the pro the meat production mm-hmm. um that happens here like y- y- we don't even hunt like to survive we just hunt for consumption right. um you know and then half of it don't even get consumed like who are you more, telling right? So why do you think that like, you know, even someone who's like, oh, I read my horoscope or, you know, like, oh, I'm a Pisces or whatever. We struggle with the fact that like society has taught us to demonize where we come from, like our mm-hmm, the traditions mm-hmm. of where we come from. Well, I mean, just real quick, <laughs> colonialism, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. always the answer, right? No. But it really, I mean, you know, the demonization of our traditions has everything to do with our oppression. You can't oppress people who know that they are God. You can't oppress people who know that they, who know how to uh, blow powder in your face and and make some things happen. You can't oppress people who got all of that going on. And so that was the, that was the real first stage in oppressive in our oppression and this is something that is to remove our belief from us of who we are our spiritual systems to remove to seek Mm. to remove and one thing i want us to understand because we often hear this narrative that makes us think that maybe you know african folks just as soon as people arrive with the bible we're just like oh okay thank you and took it and it was not like that at all it took over a hundred years over a hundred years um, to gain genuine converts on the continent. Um, missionary records talk all the time about how the people was like, nah, F out here. <laughs> like, what? Who, what, huh? Nah. You were like, I got these feathers, you see? <laughs> right, like, nah, like, do what? With what? Nah, nah, you good. Like, oh, or what they might have done too was be like, oh, Jesus, oh, okay, cool. Like, he's he could go over here with the rest of the Orishas, right? And they were right, like, right, no, right. wait a minute, that's not quite Put this Jesus over here on the altar. Yeah, just put Jesus next to Obatala and Eshu, and he will be very comfortable over there. He's a very good Orisha. Yeah. He brought these white people all the way over here, so he must be very powerful. Right. And so, but, um, but, um, so they started to target children. That was the big thing, you know, right. This is where Mm. our modern education system comes from. There's a great documentary everybody needs to watch called schooling the world, the white man's last burden. And yeah, you already know what it's going to be about. And so this is actually, I have to shout out the Ecoversities Alliance because um, they are a collection of groups of independent schools that seek to bring back indigenous ways of knowing from all around the world. 
um, to put forward indigenous uh, epistemologies and to- I knew you was gonna say that word again. Epistem you know I was gonna say it again. You knew I, I was like, that's the knowing, that's the knowing, I got that's it. The I got knowing. it down You got okay. it, see girl, you on it, you on it. And so, you know, that has been a great um, group to be in for inspiration to really see how people are doing this all over the world. Let's understand. You know, and I and I have some articles and things I can share with you about this, but black people it. aren't the only ones who this has happened to, right? The global domination of Europe and Christianity and and Islam as well, right, is global, right? Every every there's nowhere in the world that it hasn't touched. There's no people in the world that it hasn't touched. Mm -hmm. So when we, you know, even when we're talking about, you know, South American shamanism and we're talking about um, you know, everywhere that we go, we can see the vestiges of this. We can see, um, you know, and so understanding that the very first oppression that was instantiated by the uh, papal bulls that had been signed by the Catholic Church were those, were edicts about religion, right? right. We focus a lot on race, but religion was the first thing that had an edict against it that said anybody who's not a follower uh, in the way that we have outlined it is outside. And now you can guess wow, what you can like do. They created the, a curriculum for us. Right. To assimilate right. Us. And, and not just to assimilate us, but to just come take our shit. Like, oh, if they're not, if they don't follow if I this see book. Another white person talking about a systemic constellation, I'm going to scream. I can't. I'm not even going. I'm. I'm. A, I'm. A We're not gonna talk about it. Look, I'm right. about to get kicked off the Zoom call list. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. The whole but thing. It's, fine. But it's always been about power and control. Is the mm -hmm. is the bottom line. It's never been about um about the actual beliefs. It's never been about the content of the beliefs. They know that we are powerful and that our stuff is. Um, you know that it works. That it transforms. That's why so many are trying to get at it now. Right. right and been trying to get at it not just now been trying to get at it come on we had uh enslavers who employed the use of their root doctors who were on their plantations right and things like that so it even the people who have spoken out most vehemently against our traditions know their power and right. use them under the cover of night and so it's all about power and control it's all about seeking to keep us scared Right? right. If you believe that you are born into sin, if you believe that your whole life has to be about trying to come up out, out up from under some black stain on your soul, mm. then that's yeah, it's easy to control you. Say, hey, wait a minute, do what I say. Otherwise, remember that black stain on your soul, you're gonna go to hell. Like, you know, right. and then we like, oh, you know, African spirituality doesn't say that. We say, look, do what's right so that you can have a good life and live well. Mm. Right? Like. That's like the blessing of wealth, meaning right. resources to feed yourself, the blessing of children, meaning the continuation of the species and the blessing of long life, right? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's, That's, it. It. That's, That's it. it. That's what we're going for, right? And so, you know, how do we get there? We get there by being good to one another. We get there by being people of Iwapele of gentle and humble character mm. right? that is the way it's not be not because we're sinners not because we came to the world stained but because we understand that life is sustained by creation and so we seek to be the highest and most creative beings that we could be that's it 
Thank you so much for this. My last question for you. Yeah, I have to ask you a two-prong question because look at, I have one eyebrow that's drawn differently from the other one, right? So I'm just a complicated- <laughs> I knocked my bendy off and tried to just slide past. I was like- Listen, Ugh. when I said I was like Megan Thee Stallion, you seen her live? First of all, it was very powerful, but her bang kept slipping. I was like, man, I was yelling at the thing. T just tuck it underneath the other bang, ma'am. <laughs> It's fine. She ain't hearing me. It's oh. fine. <laughs> but what I was trying to say was, is that a lot, the question that I ask all of my guests is a two-pronged question. The first part is, you already admitted it to it, so I have to modify my question now. You was like, oh, I went to binge watch some episodes. So the first question is, is there anything that you sat with me for an hour and a half, which we only schedule an hour, is there anything that you was like, I'm really shocked that Didi Delgado did not bring this topic up or, oh, wait, I need to promote this, right? And then the second part of the question is, who, since you was recommended, who would you like to see on the show? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, there's nothing. No, I, you know, I came into it so open. I just, I Same. love- I didn't even write down no questions. Yeah, I love every space to be organic. I love every, you know, every conversation to develop as it's supposed to, because there's going to be some gems, you know, there's going to be something that somebody's going to hear that they need to hear. So I think mm -hmm. it's it's been wonderful in that regard. I love all the, all the things that we have been around the world, been around the world, and I, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I wanted to be a singer. <laughs> You know, I, you know, I like to shang a little shine, but we be here all week, y'all. Um, so that's been beautiful. And as far as recommendations, wow, there's so the, many the gerontocracy right? <laughs> recommendations. Let me recommend some gerontocritus. Um, actually, you know, the very first person who came to mind, who I think you would really have a great time talking to is one of I my goddaughters. Your goddaughter. Um, okay, come on. Yeah. And uh, her name is Alondra. She's also known as Island Bruja. And she's been doing a lot of incredible work, especially around, um, you know, kind of what we're talking about in terms of bringing folks into conversation um she has this series called yo this is so bold and i love this called but do you hear me though which is for white women white women allies to listen to black women so white women allies pay oh you already need to know i need to talk to sib okay yeah okay. you need to talk to her because um yeah it's i i think you guys y'all's energies would would get along but you know really and and in in honor of the gerontocracy right um yes. i love i'm loving to recommend somebody who's younger than me you know because the youth is the future mm. like, like that's it like I'm, I'm not old, you know, I'm 40, but I'm, you know, realizing that 40, I'm like, yo, I'm moving towards middle age. Like youngins is calling me ma'am and stuff and auntie and stuff. Like I wish they would. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, you know I'm how long it took for me to draw this eyebrow on? I wish somebody would call me ma'am. <laughs> I'm saying I had to just accept it after a minute. I'm like, oh, I do got some grace peeking out. Let me tuck that in real quick. I'm like, man, talking to. But you know, I really love to encourage. You know, really shout out. I gotta shout out all of my wonderful uh, goddaughters and Ilea Shea Ray. 
powerful women doing wonderful things, you know, Reiki teachers and psychologists and, you know, healers of all kinds, you know, we, we really, um, one of the things that we all seek to do as we come together is bring our, our expertise together to heal the community, you know, it's not just about me, um, but really all of us coming together to bring our medicine, like there needs to be more, you know, that's one thing too, I guess as we prepare to close out that I really want to emphasize about African culture and about us as Black people is um, that we are communal people and yeah. that Black women, especially, we ran-ish. We was the marketplace, like everything, us working to get Black women working together has literally made everything happen that's ever happened on the face of the planet. So we need to recognize that and we need to be there for one another. We need to yes. big one another up. We need to recognize like somebody um, started, you know, I saw some other, somebody else who kind of started a, an online school situation of close to when mine started and somebody said, oh, well, you see so-and-so is doing it too. And I was like, great, right? right? We need more. Just like, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, white society. Can you repeat say, that again? We need you more. Said, no, we before that, more. you said someone came up to you and instead of you engaging with your ego and being like, yes, can you believe she did that bum ass shit? Like, you know what I'm saying? You was like, well, that's great because that's I need right. help. We need to get this messaging right. out. Right. There's a lot of Black Listen. people in the world. I can't take care of all of them. <laughs> I can't take care of everybody. I can't teach right. everybody in the world. Like, so understanding this was something that we all had, all African women knew how to pick up their cola nut and divine and check mm. on things for their family. We all knew how to go to our, our, uh, our um, herbal garden and pick medicine for our family. We all right. knew how to do these things. It was not exclusive to being a, a priest or an initiate or anything like that. There are certain things that go along with those titles, but understanding right. that divination and medicine making is is black women's work period no but there's no this initiation woman's work. This this woman's work. Work. So don't get me started because we'll be up in here harmonizing <laughs> you got me acting silly see that's what happens when i take a nap before my interview I come in like, no i'm hey. ready for a nap i'm totally ready for a nap so i just wanted to say that i The words, like they hear, right? Aww. Like, you know, I just, I'm not gonna cry. I really appreciate this conversation. And I think I called you like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I was like, what are we gonna talk about? We didn't talk about none of the things. <laughs> we let spirit flow. That's how we right. do it. You know, I don't flow. even know where I put the paper, to be honest, or whatever. So, like, I just wanna say that I appreciated you and I, I loved your energy from the first time I met you. You are an amazing human being. Um, I think Thank that you. the work that you're doing uh, for yourself um, is reflecting in our community. And I, and I, I just want to say that I honor that in you. And I'm going to learn as much as I can because someone being newly initiated, I think I just need to do what I need to do. Like there's a calling on my life and mm -hmm. I can either run from it or I could pay attention to the lesson. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's why I keep running into other issues. Cause I'm just like, I'll be over here and everybody else's shit and don't be in my own. So I just want to say thank you because you've inspired me to mm -hmm. just listen to the elders in my community who are like, you need to do what you need to do. And this is how you need to do it. And I was like, 
I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Are you Mm. nuts? (laughs) You know? So I appreciate you so much. This has been an enlightening conversation. I will definitely have to come back to this and listen to it again and again, like you said, and pick up those gems. So thank you. For sure. You're welcome. And thank you. Thanks for the invitation and for your beautiful energy. And, you know, I just encourage you and everybody out here listening to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, Mm -hmm. Ifa says it's bit by bit that we eat the head of the rat. It's bit by bit that we eat the fish Uh, and that a hungry man does not rush to eat hot soup. So Mm. when, you know, we have to just be gentle with ourselves, be kind with ourselves, recognize that we are in the midst of a pandemic. We are in the midst of a lot that is challenging us emotionally. And so just to be gentle and just connect and just be human, connect with one another, love one another, talk to one another, look at one another, pray together and, you know, just keep, keep on keeping on. Thank you. So many comments have been left for you. This has been another episode, a wonderful episode of the full set. I'm so excited. I'm I'm gonna be in the comments. I'm gonna come, oh, 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 I'm gonna come oh, jump in the comments, comments real, real quick. Real quick. All right, peace. And you y'all. know, I, oh, you know, I have to point out too, but as we go, as we're smiling, that we are both gap girls. Come on, Diasema. So hey. one of your words that you're gonna learn in Yoruba is ag. So when you have that, A-G. they call you ag. Ag. So, and they say it's very beautiful. So we are both. Oh, so mad beautiful. comments did come through about how beautiful we both are. So I was oh. just like. I hear it from y'all and I don't believe y'all, but I share. So thank you. Yes, you better believe it, girl. And I am so happy you put your wrap on for me. You just looking like the Kenya doll. Look, my little baby, look, my little baby (laughs) hair is like escaping a little bit, but no, but see, that's keeping it. That's the 2020 and the and the you know the style going on. Cause you know the baby hair coming back. I'm gonna have to pull some out (laughs) outside my head (laughs) wrap. Shout out to Miss Prissy, who just sent me these amazing, amazing edge control that smell like mango and coconut butter at the same time. Ooh. And it and it's been holding. You understand what I'm saying to you? I might start putting it on my eyebrows. I don't know. So I appreciate y'all. And yes, I hope that you have a great evening. Blessings, everybody. Blessings to you, too.